Welcome to Examining Scripture. We seek to encourage believers in Jesus Christ to drink from the Word of Life. As God's revelation to mankind, we want to demystify the Bible and help you find what God has to say about the circumstances you're facing. We're not pastors or theologians. We're sinners just like you, who, by the grace of God, have come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. If we can thirst for Scripture, so can you. Hi, I'm your host, Bob Red, along with co-host Nancy Carmichael. Thank you for joining us in another episode of Examining Scripture. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Examining Scripture. Um, there's a bit of first here today. Uh, the first first, if you will, is that this is going to be a uh, both a video and audio podcast, so I'm excited about that. And the more important first or the second first is we have uh, our first uh, pastor joining us, Pastor Justin Jones. He is the pastor of uh, Eastern Hills Wesleyan Church. Justin will pass along uh, more detail about his role, and he's an author. So uh, uh, welcome, Justin. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, it's great to have you. So, uh, obviously, a lot of people that are going to be watching this uh, podcast and listening to it probably know who you are, but we have some listeners in Belgium and Cairo and uh, across the country. So, uh, why don't you share kind of your background, how you uh, came to the ministry, and what your role is at Eastern Hills? Sure. Yeah, so I, I grew up in a, a pastor's home. I was a PK, and uh, you can never trust PKs, but uh, I was a PK growing up, and it goes back generations, honestly. So my grandfather, um, still living, he's uh, in his 90s, 96, and he was in ministry for, has been in ministry for 70-some years. Um, my uncle, my my dad, uh, my cousin, my sister uh, played a role at a church as a kid's, kid's uh, pastor and director, and um, so it's kind of just been our family line. And so when I came to the to the decision of what I was going to do with my life, you know, when I was three years old, I guess I was walking around uh, weddings that I was a part of as a ring bearer or something. And I was holding Bibles upside down, trying to tell people about Jesus. And I guess I was spreading all kinds of heresies and stuff. But I kind of just assumed I was going to be in ministry. Uh, then I got to college and, and it was a healthy kind of moment of like, you know what, is this just the family business or am I actually to this like am i supposed to be part of this as well and so it's a whole long story there but god in that season called me uh to ministry but not just ministry he called me specifically to the ministry of intellectual justice i looked out on a world where social justice was a really important thing to a lot of people and i um, i think there can be healthy ways to express that but a lot of unhealthy ways that that's expressed and as god spoke to me he spoke philippians 1 9 to 11 uh, over me and uh that prayer that our love might abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that we could discern what is best. You know, there's, there's a sense in which God uh, tasked me with helping the body of Christ to discern more clearly what his will is in, in every situation. And um, so that's kind of been my focus in ministry. I, uh, I went through uh, my undergrad. I was really dumb and I, I decided to be a quadruple major when I got there. So that was pretty dumb and I kind of burned out. And long, long story, but I ended up here at Eastern Hills, and um, for a while I was doing college ministry. Uh, for a while I was kind of overseeing spiritual formation or discipleship within the church, and now I'm one of the executive pastors, and I oversee most of the adult ministry staff, um, anybody that would minister to adults, and uh, just trying to make sure all those things are tied together within the church, and 
unified in what we're doing and helping people in that take a next step in their journey. So. Well, great. Thank you for that. And um, before we move on, I would like you to go a little deeper into this concept of social intelligence. So, yeah, social justice versus intellectual justice. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, we look around the world, social justice is so consistently in front of people. I, I got to go out there and I got to make a difference and causes are so important to people. Uh, but I think we see throughout scripture, you know, the Sermon on the Mount is a perfect example where Jesus is pointing out that we can do a lot of the right things potentially, but we could do it for the wrong reasons and have the wrong motivations. And it's still wrong at the end of the day. And so what I see a lot is people pursuing social justice, let's say, and they're pursuing it, but they're not doing it with God's truth. We're not doing it with truly God's love. We're not doing it out of God's strength. And ultimately it's, it's not being a helpful thing. It's being a destructive thing. And so um, God's call. I mean, there's, it's great that we have, um, people in ministry that are pursuing healthy, good social justice, that kind of stuff. My task was not necessarily that, though. My task assigned by God was a sense of intellectual justice, helping to free people from lies. And I believe in the context of the world we're living in, which is an information age where things are always rushing at people constantly, and the lies of the enemy are constantly being told to people on a daily basis, um, that calling feels more important to me than than ever, uh, that I am called to to be part of the process of declaring the gospel, um, as all ministers do, but specifically to help disciple people so they can discern truth from lie. And um, and part of that, obviously, is even a podcast like yours where we're examining scripture consistently uh, so that we consistently have that, that lens by which we look at the world to know the truth of God in the midst of this world of brokenness and lies and, and destruction when you really look around. Well, I think that's a really great segue uh, kind of into our topic. And I want to start at kind of a top level because um, our church is not unlike many others that uh, try to bring some focus during the Lenten period, uh, period from Ash Wednesday to Easter, uh, and, and, and kind of bring the congregation into sort of a common focus as it, as it pertains to getting closer to God. And um, so uh, this is not a unique thing to us, certainly, but it's something that we're, uh, I use the term, uh, religiously committed to in a good way. And so so why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, not only um, why that's important in our church, but maybe as it is over the full umbrella of the, uh, the Wesleyan church as a whole, uh, taking this time at this time uh, to bring the congregation together in studies uh, such as the one we're going to discuss today. Yeah, for sure. You know, when we talk about discipleship around here, we often use a term that is not necessarily a, a Christian term per se, but it's used in the context of Christian discipleship, which is spiritual formation. I mean, we can be spiritually formed in a lot of different ways and a lot of different faiths and all that kind of stuff. But when we talk about that term in relation to Christian discipleship, it's become really important. A lot of my master's work was done in this context of spiritual formation and what it actually is and what discipleship looks like. And so we talk about this formation being the process by which uh, a person is transformed into all of Christ holistically, you know, uh, mind, body, spirit, every, every part of us is transformed to look more like Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, so it's not on our power, it's by God's spirit that we actually are transformed, but it's through this consistent and intentional openness uh, 
to the work of God and the practice of spiritual disciplines is, is the, the definition that I've kind of put out there. So this consistent intentional openness to the work of God. If we're to be transformed, it has to be God's work in us, but we have to consistently and intentionally position ourselves, basically is another word to say, so that God might do that work. And so when we say that that's an individualized thing, you know, us every day, it's a choice of do we position ourselves um, to allow God to do his work. But when we think about it from a higher level in terms of a church body, let's say, it's important for us. And one of those ways that we have seen is we all know, you know, for any of us that have kids, um, just one example, but you, you're in a situation where you know your kids aren't paying attention. You know that they're not going to learn and they're not going to grow from something that they're not paying attention to. So there's something formational for us that we've seen over the years that when we gather all the different ministries and all the different people and the hundreds of people that are focused on all kinds of other things and we bring us all together on this common focus for a period of time, there's a much higher chance of us being formed in a more powerful way than all of us being scattered and doing all kinds of things. And it's we're not... We're not there the whole entire time. It's that we come back together so that we can be sent sent out then back to what we're doing. It allows us as a whole body to really get around one common vision and one time period where we can be formed in a particular way. And so this becomes, you know, a little bit of our DNA per year. You know, like once a year we stop and we say, hey, by the way, this is the main focus of ours for this year as a church because we feel like God's leading us to grow in this way. And so this is our one chance to all focus on the same thing and then then we go out there and we play it out in each of the different ministries. And so um, as long as I've been here, I've been here 15 years, close to 15 years. And as long as I've been here, and I know it's been predates me. So it's been a formational thing and, and pattern in our church. And I'm a huge proponent of it because I think uh, times of focus are really important for us. Yeah. Amen to that. And, I, and obviously as a small group leader myself, the one thing that I greatly appreciate about the church is its emphasis on uh, these small groups. Uh, I think we've called it in uh, at times uh, simple churches. Mm -hmm. And what, what's beautiful about that, um, you know, we come together uh, as a congregation Saturday night, Sunday mornings. Uh, we're just not the right environment for us to interrupt you during a sermon and say, hey, hey, Justin, you know, what do you mean about that? What you just said, I want to go a little deeper. And it's just not an appropriate time. And so the fact that the, the church is intentional about uh, supporting these simple churches or these Bible study groups uh, where people can ask those questions is uh, very important. And it's the foundation, really, of, of these Lenten studies, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, as we see it, really, our, our whole biblical mandate as pastors is simply to teach, equip, and serve our people so that they can be doing the ministry. So that's why we call them simple churches is this idea that in some sense, the real church has lived out in the context of those groups. And we're just here to kind of support that ministry and that process and uh, do what we can to empower leaders like yourself. Um, because there's something that happens in those smaller communities that can't happen on the, like you're saying, can't happen in the larger scale. Yeah. And I, and so um, let this be an encouragement to you who's listening out there that, um, you know, it's really important. It's the foundation of the church uh, in the first century of mm -hmm. bringing people together. There wasn't so much that there were these buildings or that there were these large organizations. It's really just people who had a heart for Jesus Christ and where we could come together and witness together, as you say, uh, teach and equip and grow and disciple one another. And um, so 
uh, for you listening out there that maybe feel isolated or or um, ill-equipped and, and and are being drawn to uh, just go deeper with the word, there's many ways to do it. And one of those important ways is to seek out one of these small churches or Bible studies in your area uh, and, and uh, get a chance to commune with uh, like-minded believers. Mm-hmm. So as we move into this Lenten period, um, the church is going to be kicking off this new series, and it's called Seven Realities of Experiencing God. Tell us a little bit, if you will, about um, sort of, uh, again, let's start at a higher level. Um, why did you select this particular study? Tell us something about the authors, if you will, and how this resonated with um, if you will, the church leadership, because certainly it's not your decision alone, but uh, you had a hand in it. And so tell us a little bit about uh, why this, why now? Yeah. So every year we come come with a kind of a higher level vision of where we believe God's taking us and our pastors, you know, gather together in prayer and insight and just um, seek the Lord for where he's taking us next. So we we have a little bit of an understanding as we kind of come to this decision-making process every year. Hey, this is it's kind of where we're heading for the next year. So we start there. Uh, we have a group called our Spiritual Formation Council, and that council is representative of a lot of different leaders from throughout our our spiritual formation studies and discipleship groups and simple churches. And um, so I work with that team. And um, a lot of times there's just suggestions that are brought of different uh, resources that we could look into. Some years it's just, it's evident, it's clear, it's just, you know, straightforward and and this is what it is. Other years, we've had to wrestle through it a little bit more. Um, I feel like this this study was more on that that first, um, that former, you know, where it was a little bit more clear as we got there. Somebody suggested us looking into it. And, and for those who don't know, Experiencing God was a, a classic study, you know, probably 20 years ago was its heyday. The Blackaby organization, Henry Blackaby um, and his son um, were, were hugely involved in that. And I remember I went through that study when I was maybe a teen, and, and it was pretty impactful for most people that went through it. Um, simple, straightforward, practical, biblically inspired teaching. You know, it's nothing. Um, I remember even in the book in the past, experiencing God, the full study. I don't remember reading it being like, oh my goodness, this, this is so, uh, mind blowing in terms of like just changing my whole paradigm, except I think it rooted me back into like the true reality of, of the gospel. You know, like there's more the simplicity and practicality of it more than anything. (laughs) <laughs> and so what they did is several years ago, uh, Henry and his son, um, and his son's kind of more leading the organization now, but they uh, they worked together towards um, taking one of the chapters, because one of the chapters within the wider study was called Seven Realities of Experiencing God. They kind of took that out and made it more in a, in, into a workbook. And one of the things that we're trying to find for this particular uh, Lenten study every year is more of a sense of it's easy and approachable for anybody that might want to join into it. The wider study takes 13 weeks. It's pretty expansive. It takes a lot of resources and time and energy. And uh, so it's great if people want to do that on their own, but we wanted to find something that was a little bit more approachable and more active. And so uh, Seven Realities for Experiencing God is taking that subject matter. It's it's really good stuff, but it's turning it into a workbook. So every day you're in it, it's devotional based. So every day you're in it, you're writing out things. You're actively engaged with the process along the way. And um Again, as I started to read it and just as we were discerning whether this was the right thing, 
same thing struck me. It's it's not that it was mind blowing. I've never heard this before. Wow, this is transformational. I'm, I'm you know, it was more. It rooted me back into just the the fundamental realities of what it means to follow Jesus, and um, encouraged my soul a ton as well as I was walking through it, just to be reminded, hey, this is what it means to experience God. And it's so again in this world more than ever, I think we do need to root ourselves in the fundamentals more than constantly searching out the new and best thing. You know, sometimes with these studies, it's like, what's the new and best? And it's like, nah, let's kind of get back to the classics because there's something fundamental to this that's necessary. And really, and when we get off the fundamentals, that's where everything starts going wrong. And the world is pulling at you from so many different angles. Like we need to be rooted in that, that kind of thing. And so, um, so that's how we got to the study and, and excited for what God's going to do through it. Yeah, as again, as a group leader, uh, you know, uh, we are all challenged uh, to prepare in advance uh, to lead this study. And um, similar to examining scripture, uh, obviously, we want to encourage uh, our listeners to get into scripture. And I love this study because it is focused on scripture. It happens to be Exodus chapter three, uh, where uh, Moses comes, uh, is approached by God through the burning bush. Uh, and so why don't you tell us a little bit about um, uh, kind of how it's centered around Moses in this particular setting? Yeah. So it, it looks as Exodus 1, 2, and 3, and the setup to the story, but then Exodus 3. And it's really, um, you know, there's an illustration that's kind of at the core of explaining what the book is all about. And there's a fire at the center of that. And so it's just talking about how God's story is consistent. And so even as we are looking, looking at Exodus 1, 2, and 3, we're seeing like this higher level insight that God's got a plan that he's working. And so it's interesting because when I was just starting this study with a group this past week, and uh, we're looking at those that initial Exodus 1 and 2. And um, it's just interesting because, again, when you turn the framework, and one of the biggest things that appealed to me, one of my biggest dreams and hopes for our congregation, one of the most beautiful things, even as I started the study, that um, the first thing it says in the introductory session is that the Bible is God-centered. But every time you open the scriptures, you're face-to-face -face with the author. The Bible is more than just a book. It's God's word. It's the creator of the universe speaking to you. But the Bible isn't about you. It's about God and how you can truly know him. And it goes on to explain that. But that to me is such a simple thing, but it kind of slaps you in the face. And it just reminds you that like as you're reading scripture. So even as we're looking at Exodus 1, 2, and 3, and we're looking at Moses' story, you could almost feel like what is going Like I can imagine Moses in the midst of that journey saying, what is going on here? Like there's so many points in which like what is happening here? Why is this happening? And from the very beginning, I mean, he's at a place of should have been murdered, but got rescued. And like, there's so many things that happen along the way. And so from Moses' perspective, from his family's perspective, living that out, because sometimes we don't see that. Sometimes we're looking at such big timescales in scripture that it's hard for us to truly empathize with what the person would have felt. And so we don't apply it to our life in the same way, because it's like, well, well, that's just what happened in the Bible. It's like, no, if you were actually living that, I have to imagine I'd have a lot of questions and I'd be concerned about what all this chaos is. And then Moses meets with God at the burning bush. And even in there, there's a lot of confusion that he ends up having and a lot of excuses and all that kind of stuff. But it's all about the fact that really, if we look at it from what Blackaby's getting at here, that the Bible is God-centered, it's not us-centered. 
like God's story is pretty consistent there. And so the illustration that is throughout the book is this fact that God's story is kind of this consistent line that's going. And there's this journey that we have to come on to come, come back around to God's story to align our life. It's really about alignment. It's like, how do I align my life back to God? And so that's really what the seven realities of, of experience God are about practically. It's about how do I get myself back in alignment with God's story? And in the end, Moses was used by God in a powerful way. Uh, but it definitely took some realignment. It definitely took some movement where he had to be invited into the story. And Moses had to be willing to to let God speak at the burning bush and to have a crisis of belief and and then to respond in faith at the end of the day. And so, um, so yeah, our, our side of the story is much more complicated than God's side. God's side is pretty, he's sovereign. You know, he's got his side. Amen. It's more us. How do we realign ourselves to his will? And that's, that's a, it doesn't have to be a tricky process, but more often than not, it is. Um, and so that's really what this study is meant to help us kind of uh, focus on. Where is that place in our life that we're not aligned to God's story and how could we be realigned into his life and uh, to see it from his perspective? Yeah, well, that, that's really true. I mean, here at Examining Scripture, we're forever uh, saying that, you know, the Bible is true and it's God's revelation to mankind about himself. And no matter our circumstance, whatever we're going through, that God has something to say about that circumstance. And many times he has much to say in many places about those circumstances that we face. And which uh, you're talking about the length and the breadth and the depth of the Bible. And, and at the same time, we look at uh, chapter one or two of Exodus, and it spans nearly 80 years, almost two thirds of Moses' life. And then the rest of Exodus is focused on his last 40 years. And, and again, it's, it's just the economy of God's words on the one hand and how he brings into focus uh, really what's important to get out of this particular situation. And you're right, as we le read about these real life historic events and, and, and uh, people and characters like Moses, we ourselves, as we're living our lives, don't necessarily see God's providence happening in our lives as we should. And um, yet, when we read a story like Moses, we can see the providential hand of God at work. And sometimes we forget that, well, this is all spanning 80 years. For many of us, that's more than our lifetime. And I guess I want to stop here and say, for those of you who are listening who are not believers in Jesus Christ, welcome. Uh, we're glad you're here. But our focus at examining Scripture is really for those who are believers in Jesus Christ. And so when we talk about the Bible is truth, it is. When we talk about it's God's revelation to mankind, it is. And we, talking to other believers don't really have to explain that. We don't have to justify it because um, that truth is held within us as believers. And if you're not a believer, um, we hope you come back and listen and uh, go visit a local church. Um, it's really Bible-centered and scripture-centered and uh, be inquisitive, ask questions. We love questions and um, open your heart as uh, we pray God does for you. Yeah, so I have to 
share with you kind of a, uh, it, it, it's what really excites me about this, um, this new series. And again, if you're uh, going through it or planning to go through it as a part of the church, I think you'll be excited as well. And if you're not, um, certainly go uh, find the book, find the resource. You can find it on Amazon in a lot of different places, The Seven Realities for Experiencing God. But Justin, what we try to do here is give people practical um, advice or tips on how to go find answers in Scripture to their circumstance. We're not here to give them the answers. We're here to try and help build their tool chest, if you will, of how to go into Scripture and learn what God has to say about their circumstance. That's really one of the things I love about this series. It is so practical. And we try to be practical here. And I have to say, um, one of the chapters, God Speaks, is so difficult. Many of uh, the, the believers that I talk to, many of our listeners are probably saying, you know, that worked great for Moses. Or, you know, yeah, I'd have the faith of Paul once Jesus Christ came to me on the Damascus Road. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've had actual intervention. Uh, I'm not Joe. Pick any of the characters in the Bible who have had this, you know, Samuel, any of the characters in the Bible who have had an actual intervention with, with the, living, the living God, our Lord and Savior. And it's easy to say, yeah, they're okay because they had this experience but I'm not sure God speaks to me. And I'm really looking forward to that particular lesson because I've already had them read through it, obviously uh, really like how they framed it and the ways in which we as individuals can um, not have a blueprint, but how we can be more intentional about listening for God and hearing him speak. That's true throughout all of the lessons. Um, how would you, want to respond and, and, and explain to people uh, how they might approach each and every lesson and uh, work to get answers for themselves in some of these chapters where it really re resonates with, gee, I really would like to hear God speak. I don't think he talks to me. Uh, how, how can I use this study to, to maybe have a better ear, if you will? Yeah. I think it's one of the great questions of our day. Um, I think I, I, uh, I understand the concerns that might come. So I, I think the common practice or the common response from faithful Christians that's difficult in the modern age is that because of this preponderance of information, because of the preponderance of noise, because of the, um, the preponderance of lies in the world around us, and because things are so complicated, family structures are broken down, like the basic implementation or um, reality of the Judeo-Christian worldview is not as prominent within the life of people. Um, and because people have become so self-focused and not God-focused in their orientation, that it's very easy for people, even well-meaning uh, people that would claim to follow Jesus, to just spout off constantly like, well, God told me this, God told me this. You know, I always joke about, you know, God, I came up and somebody came up to me and said, God told me to punch you in the face. It's like, well, no, I don't think he said that, you know, and so like there's this sense in which well-made, like faithful Christians would look at that as a 
context for the world and say all these people are going around saying God told them to do all kinds of wacko stuff. And their reaction to that is um, kind of let's retreat back away from the reality that God does speak to me. Let's just say, you know, it's all about scripture and it's all about scripture. And and I resonate with that, too, because that's a truth and a reality. But the reality is, even if you look in scripture. So I've had many conversations with people that would say God does not speak in any way outside the context of scripture or scriptural verses. And I'll say the problem with that is that even in scripture, that's not true. Uh, there's many times that Paul was, you know, God spoke to Paul in the midst of a dream to not go to the Macedonians. I mean, there's there's so many instances without scripture within scripture where God spoke out of the context of that. So like most theological issues, there's these two polars and we've got to find like what's the truth and reality. And the truth is on this side is, yes, it is all about scripture. Scripture itself points us to test what we hear, to test and to discern. So we need to know scripture as the foundation. So if we're teaching somebody that's new in the faith, like what's the best way for you to hear the voice of God? The best way is to study scripture because you need that as a foundation to be able to test anything that you'd hear anyways. And so you need to discern that. And we've been given this beautiful, um, this beautiful word of God to our to selves. It's not just a book. It's living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. So even when we get to that, what does that even mean then? And that's where I, I think where God's voice comes in. As we're reading scripture, it's reading us. So the Holy Spirit's at work within us. One of our uh, one of the people on our staff often says that the Bible is the map and the Holy Spirit is the GPS. So if you have the GPS without the map, then the GPS is kind of useless because it kind of just and that's where all this kind of fanciful, weird stuff comes from when you're trying to trying to just God spoke to me and there's no context in scripture. But if you have the map and you have no GPS, one of the things that does then happen is you just yes, the Bible has almost everything that we'd want in life, but the Bible doesn't have should my kids use an iPad, right? Right. So when it comes to that decision making process. And we say, well, it's just in scripture. Just go to scripture. And it's like, well, Jesus never said the kids shouldn't use iPads. I don't know. Like, what am I supposed to do? Then we have to get to the place of understanding scripture, understanding the heart of God, and then understanding that in prayer, and insight in the community of uh, of the body, that there's a way that God can speak through those things. Um, to, and I, I, I also understand that it's, it seems kind of complicated. It's much more simple than I think it is. In the New Testament, it says that we have the mind of Christ. So there's a reality that as we're saturated and soaked in the word of God, and as we're saturated and soaked in the community of God, and then we're consistently praying and asking God his will, um, more often than not, hearing the voice of God is not angelic voices that come on from high, but it's it's the, the peace that passes all understanding that comes in my heart and mind as I look towards something that I'm having to make a decision about. It's the uh, the reality that as I think about a problem that I'm facing, that the, a scripture verse comes to mind and says, and God connects the dots in my head, like this is exactly what it's meant to be. Um, God speaks to us in all kinds of different ways. I do um, some prayer counseling with people where I, it's basically a way to just teach people how to position yourself to hear from the Lord. Um, and it always has to be in alignment with scripture, but it's it's so much more simple than we make it. Um, and so I think it's it's, but I understand as well the concern that comes from people that say, because because some people have claimed to hear from God and they've done it wrong, we got to be protective of everything, right? And I say, I just think we got to trust the Lord more to be in that center place. And that's part of what we're supposed to do in these simple churches and in, in the body of Christ in general is to come alongside each other. And if we see a brother or sister that says, well, God told me to go do X, Y, or Z, and it's not in alignment, I mean, that's why we're supposed to be in the body together. That's where... 
we as a brother or sister comes along and says, Hey, you know, I just tell me more about that. I don't, I don't think this seems like it's in alignment with what God's calling us to do. And so, uh, so yeah, I'm excited too. I think that this will help to clarify that a little bit. And I think it's one of the great questions that has to constantly be clarified in this day and age for us to, to truly live life with God. Yeah, I think that's, that's, it's really great. It's a great analogy, by the way, the, the, the map and the GPS and, and I think that's the thing that makes me so excited uh, about this uh, new series is it's really practical. Um, it does encompass scripture. It does encompass and ask us um, to be prayerful and in prayer. And, and it also, I guess how I've taken out of it, it, it's asked us to in these each week, during the weeks to, to be intentional about trying to see God in the, in the, the midst of what we're trying to understand in the seven realities of experiencing God. I, I really love that. Um, and, and it, I think one of the challenges for anybody who leads a small group or a small church is exactly that is uh, to, to, to be true to scripture. And yet, um, to bring in the reality of cons uh, of, of the context and you know there's so much more than just the words on the page it's it's understanding the audience that that God's speaking to which is both the audience there in that time whether it's first century Palestine or whether it's Moses um, thousand more than a thousand years earlier um, but the Bible also is so practical and I like to, how you've said it's really not difficult. It's simple that it's also speaking to us today and that we can take from that. Um, God just doesn't change. He's the same today. I think Hebrews, it is Hebrews eight. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And I, I really love that. So as we're coming into a landing here, uh, what is your hope first off for the church coming out of this Lenten series, having, we, we would hope, grown from um, this study and uh, sort of coming into Easter and, and, and going, carrying on throughout the rest of the year? I think so often spiritual realities are hard to conceive of because we don't kind of take them out of the abstract. And because we live in a very, again, information age, um, you know, throughout most of human history, we were in touch with like the physical, like, you know, we were outside working the farms. We were physically doing something with our bodies. You know, people were outside more often. And so we've come into this age that's you totally unique in human history. You know, we're inside so often we are thinking more deeply uh, maybe not more deeply, but we're thinking a lot more uh, than we ever have. <clears throat> and so this information age puts us in this place where we like to abstract a lot, but we don't like to make it practical. So I always try to do that with spiritual realities. So we think about experiencing God, <clears throat> really, if we're comparing it to maybe a family relationship or, um, you know, with me and my wife or, you know, a marriage relationship. We can discern the difference in that. That's a practical thing to look at and say there's a difference between an unhealthy marriage and a healthy marriage. And most of the time what that would be demonstrating is like they're they're not experiencing or wanting to experience union with one another. They're not wanting to be around each other, just the practical day-to-day -day stuff that they get snarky and 
they're fighting about things and they don't want to make the same decisions. They don't want to submit out to one another. They don't want to have love for one another. Like you'd be able to sit down with a married couple that's in distress and kind of be like, this doesn't seem right. Um, and then seeing somebody that is experiencing deep love within their marriage, it's pretty evident. Like the evidence is laughing and joy and um, not that they're never fighting, but they're working together for answers and solutions when they come and face problems, you know, those, those kind of things. So when we think about it as a child of God and our father, it's the same thing. My hope, deep hope for our congregation is this invitation into this greater story with God. I often look at the scriptures and I just say, if we are truly, and this is a conviction to me and to anybody that I'm preaching to, is just if we truly take the scriptures at face value, Francis Chan is often kind of saying this similar vein of, of argument. It's just like, if we actually are reading this thing, like, like we have to truly ask ourselves, do we actually believe it? Like, are we wanting to experience it? And I think more often than not, because we live in this heady world, we're constantly thinking about heady thoughts about scripture and we're trying to memorize it. But as I do this prayer counseling with people, I say that, you know, intellectual belief can only take you so far. It's got to be experiential belief. I've got to Amen. not just believe John 316 in my head, I have to experience the love of God for myself. And when I do, I know from my own personal spiritual journey, when I have truly experienced the grace of God, the love of God and union with him in my will, um, there's a certain sense of adventure that comes into my life that I didn't have previously. There's a certain sense of me stepping into this grand story, this grand narrative. And when I hear that the Bible is God centered and the huge overarching thing that I love about the study is it constantly calls you back to God's story. It's about God's story. It's not about my story. It's about God's story. It's not about me. It's about him. And so I find for me, when I'm invited into that grander story, that grander narrative, and I understand like, well, this isn't about me. It's about something bigger than me. Then all of a sudden, every moment of my day becomes meaningful. And what, when I say I'm experiencing God, really what that means is I'm seeing him at work every moment of every day. Cause the reality is again, he is at work. Amen. Now, the funny thing is, like, we say that, but we're kind of practical atheists and we don't believe it, right? That's and so right. we'll say it on one hand, but we don't actually live like he's present in the moment. So we'll say, yeah, I totally believe that God's with me every day, but then we'll be just completely beset by anxieties and worries and all that kind of stuff, right? And I'm not casting that out. I'm saying the you know, same as me. You're like, there's situations where we say one thing, but we don't, we look a different way, right? And so my great hope and prayer for the church is that we would each come to experience God on a deeper level. And through that, what that means is the adventure and the meaning of every moment is just infused with what's true and what's real, which is God is present, God's active, and we get to be part of this grander story and narrative um, for his kingdom to come and his will to, will to be done, and that the gospel might spread and we could see more people with him for all of eternity, but that, um, that has to come with this desire and hunger for that adventure and that experience of God. Uh, that's deeper than just a head thing. It's a heart thing. I think that's really great. Uh, you know, it's going to ask you the question, but you've really answered it. Um, because as our church and the individuals within it are going through this study, um, we're all in a different place. We're coming from a different, um, uh, set of of realities in our life and uh, that could be overwhelming for some people you know depending on where they're coming from and I hear what you say and, and I can just say amen and amen that um, 
regardless of where you are in your circumstances, the church walks through this, this study. Um, the more that we focus on God and our place in his plan, um, as we live it out sort of through Moses, um, I think what people are going to find, it'll be sad for where they are in their circumstances, for those that are feeling um, pressure, feeling uh, maybe um, set aside, maybe they're anxious, maybe they're, uh, they, they feel that um, they're disconnected from the, from, from the church or the world or whatever. And I think that you put that really beautifully. I love how you said that. Um, to close, is there any last thoughts that you have that you want to share with the church? They're going to be uh, having access to this and, and uh, anything in particular as a final insight. Just to, as we go out through, throughout the rest of the year for our church, um, you know, for those that are from our church, is just we're hoping to focus on holy moments and just to understand, again, going back to that everyday meeting, that we'd be story people, seeing God's big story, and that that every day there can be holy moments. And um, okay. I don't know about you, but I, I just I yearn for that, and I um, I it's so easy to get drawn into this like the. I don't want to say the mundane because there's actually so many beautiful holy moments in the mundane if we allow it to be, but just just the mess, I guess, just the mess of life, like the fray, I guess you'd call it. Yeah, it's so easy to get dragged into. It's so easy to just like be sucked into the noise, to be sucked into the fray, to be sucked into um, just constant people around you that are just complaining about everything and every everyone, and um, and you know we as the people of God are supposed to look different. And if Amen. what the scriptures say is true, like we have to look different. And part of that means that we'd be story people that say that there's a different story at play here. And that when everybody else feels a certain way, we can look different. We can look countercultural because not in our own strength, not because we're so much better than everybody else, but because we have a, a different set of instructions that's been given to us because we've been given a different power than others have, which is this power of God's grace that's at work within us to enliven us. And so, um, I just I just hope for us as a church that we continue to see God work in, in just unique and powerful ways. And for every church, that every church would be in that place, too, not just ours. Uh, we hope that for the Church of Buffalo here so many times, we've partnered with so many churches. And we just hope that this whole region is seeing God at work in a, in a more powerful way. But for those that are a part of our church, um, you know, we're selling books here. So people can can grab those over the next couple of weeks here. Um, and they can also sign up for groups at ehwc.org slash groups. So there's a way to sign up there or you can sign up in person. Uh, we've got over 20 different um, open groups. We have some other ones that are already closed because they're full, but over 20 different open groups. There's online groups. So even some of your listeners that are from around the world, you know, are welcome to join us in the journey if they want to through some of the online groups. Um, so we just encourage you, like, come join us again formationally. There's nothing more important if somebody says, well, I don't have any time. I can't do this. We always make choices to to invest our time into things that are going to matter at the end. And so this is a short-term commitment. We're not asking for 74 weeks. You know, we're asking for just six or seven weeks here that people would commit to say, I can do one night a week and I can be involved in that. So it's about five or 10 minutes a day. The workbook itself is not a huge lift. And so um, I just really appreciated that for myself, even as a busy uh, living a busy life, you know, busy family, busy ministry that it's you know 10 minutes a day, but really impactful. And so uh, I look forward to it. 
Well, thank you so much for joining Examining Scripture, Justin. And uh, yeah, I, I say amen and amen to that. I look forward to the uh, to the uh, Lenten series and, and really the journey that it'll take me on personally. So uh, with that, I greatly appreciate your time and, and um, we look forward to um, the future. Thanks so much, Bob. Thank you. Well, there you have it. We've enjoyed our conversation today and hope that you feel more equipped to examine Scripture to find what God has to say about the important circumstances you're facing in your life. Until next time, examine the Scripture, drink from the Word of Life, and let the Bible feed your spirit.